And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is The Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day when we have a great new special counsel. That makes three. Yes, don't forget about John Durham. He's still chugging away investigating the uh, uh, charges from the uh, Russia gate or the Russia hoax or however you want to charge it. Uh, we have John Durham and yes, we have Jack Smith investigating President Trump and documents and more. And uh, now we have uh, President Biden at, at this stage in his presidency going into the second half of his presidency. He uh, he has his own special counsel whose name is Robert Hoare. He was appointed uh, today by Merrick Garland. Why? Because they found a bunch of stuff in his garage. Now, if somebody went into my garage, I don't even, I'm not even sure what entirely they would find there. They'd find a lot of boxes of, of books and early editions of other books and a whole bunch of papers, but what papers they would include, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, neither was President Biden, obviously. Uh, and uh, by the way, taking those papers as vice president that were clearly marked classified, why would he do that? How did that happen? And one of the questions is asked by Mark Thiessen, which I think is a very important question, is... Uh, the papers that were found at the Penn Biden Center, the Biden Center only opened in 2018. It opened a full year after Biden left the vice presidency. So for a year, these classified papers were not in the Biden Center office because that office hadn't opened yet. So where were they? Were they in the garage next to the Corvette? Last night, uh, Lindsey Graham uh, came uh, onto cable news and uh, made the uh, uh, the charge that, well, right now, Merrick Garland, if he's going to be fair as attorney general, has to appoint a new special counsel. Uh, here is what Senator Graham of South Carolina had to say. Clip three. Garland, if you're listening. If you thought it was necessary, Attorney General, to appoint a special counsel regarding President Trump, then you need to do the exact same thing regarding President Biden when it comes to handling classified information. Okay, uh, that ignores some of the real differences. It ignores the lack of um, battling between the National Archives and their attorneys and their desire to get the classified material back uh, once they had figured out that it was missing, uh, that nothing like that has happened with Biden. However, uh, for people in the larger world who are not wrapped up in the in intricacies of this argument, uh, which is most normal people, uh, the, the difference seems minor. The uh, President Biden now has a special prosecutor, a special counsel. It's no longer a prosecutor. But uh, somebody who had served in the Trump administration uh, apparently was deliberately picked because he is not a Democrat or a, a career uh, liberal institutionalist. He's somebody 
to some extent from outside. And at least so far, the reaction to the appointment of this special counsel has been fairly positive uh, on the part of uh, most folks. Uh, Look, it's one of those things where it may not be over because what I was wondering about is given the fact that we now have two presidents in a row who have problems with taking home with them uh, some special top secret papers, what about Obama? What about Bush? Is it possible that President Obama or President Bush or some of their assistants and and nobody knows or has any vague indication, and this goes for President Trump and for President uh, uh, President Biden. Nobody knows why they would have decided to take these particular papers with them. I mean, including top brief, uh, secret briefings, we're, we're told, for Vice President Biden, briefings on Iran and Ukraine and the United Kingdom, what they were looking to get extra information about Harry and Meghan. No, well, Meghan wasn't even a factor when uh, Biden left the vice presidency. I don't think. Not yet. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. We're going to be speaking to John Yu about this, a former deputy attorney general under President Bush and a law professor at University of California at Berkeley, one of the leading conservative voices in jurisprudence. He's also active in the Federalist Society. John is going to be with us a little bit later in the show. We're also going to be speaking to Robert Kagan, who has written perceptively about U.S. foreign policy and about the dangers not only of too much influence in the world, but the very real dangers that America experienced during one particularly crucial 50-year period between the Spanish-American War and World War II, what America experienced with too little involvement and influence in the rest of the world. He will be joining us later this hour. Uh, the um, Peter Ducey today, uh, when Joe Biden actually read a statement about having classified documents next to his treasured and safe Corvette in his garage. Uh, Peter Ducey of Fox asked him about those documents, and it sounded like this. Classified material next to your Corvette? What were you thinking? Let me, uh, look, we're going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon, but as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage, okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So but anyway. It's in a locked garage. Yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, But as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. As part of that process, my lawyers reviewed other places where documents uh, from my time as vice president were stored, and they finished the review last night. They discovered a small number of documents of classified markings and storage areas and file cabinets in my home and my, in my, my, my personal library. This was done in the case of the Biden Penn, this was done in the case of the Biden Penn Center, the Department of Justice, 
was immediately, as was done, the Department of Justice was immediately uh, notified, and uh, the lawyers arranged for the Department of Justice to take possession of the document. So you're going to see, we're going to see all this unfold. I'm confident. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, does that uh, sound like one of those golden moments with uh, President Biden? You know, I think they're they're trying to bring crowds back to Disney World, and at Disney World they have a whole of the presidents, and uh, uh, where they have different people, uh, different presidents, uh, sort of animated, uh, saying some of their greatest words to which they're most associated with. I don't think that there's going to be any effort to commemorate the Biden administration with his answer on this. He had a little piece of paper in front of him, and he was kind of trying to read from it. And it came, it came out like a, a word salad. The uh, summary from the Washington Post, Attorney General Merrick Garland this morning appointed a special counsel to investigate the handling of classified documents found at a former office and the Delaware home of President Biden. That's that garage with the Corvette. Ratcheting up the stakes and potential consequences surrounding the national security cases that have now ensnared both the current president and his predecessor. Also his likely rival if they both run. And there may be some impact on that. Uh, we will get to that and more coming up on the Medved Show. Makes no sense. The Michael Medved Show. Now's the time. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, Merrick Garland made the announcement of the appointment of uh, Robert Hoare. He made that announcement earlier uh, today at the Justice Department. And uh, Hoor is a former U.S. attorney in Maryland who has also served as a senior Justice Department official during the Trump administration. And it's unclear that appears that he served under Bill Barr in the Trump administration rather than under Jeff Sessions. But uh, that's not that's not certain. Um, we, um, uh, we go to, um, do we have Mark in, no, uh, we had, a, if you want to call in on any of this, I, I think that one of the concerns that people have is a concern that was raised by, uh, Kevin McCarthy at the Capitol today. And, uh, it, it, it really does need some kind of answer because it, it, on the surface of it, it's the same point made by Mark Thiessen in a fine column he wrote for the Washington Post. Why is there such different treatment of these two cases, even though they each now have their own special prosecutor? Here's what Kevin McCarthy had to say, clip 14. From one standpoint, they knew the documents were there. They actually asked President Trump to put another lock on, so they were locked. You look at President um, Biden. He wasn't president. He was vice president. He held these in different locations right out in the open. He criticized President Trump. 
Did he utilize the Justice Department to raid President Trump? Did you think that was right? They knew this has happened to President Biden before the election, but they kept it a secret from the American public. He goes on 60 Minutes, criticizes President Trump, even knowing what he has done, and he wasn't president at the time. Now we find another location that it's at, but he refused to answer. His press secretary won't answer the questions. We, you watched them leak photos of sitting out files of President Trump. Where's the photos of President Biden's documents? Where are those photos at? He knowingly knew this happened going into election, going into interviews. This is what makes America not trust their government. You cannot have one form of law because somebody philosophically has a different opinion than you, and you can't use the Justice Department to go after people that are politically different as well. It has to be equal ac across. Okay, uh, again, there was not an equal circumstance because there was no attempt uh, on the part of Joe Biden who, by the way, it was his staff and his lawyers who found both of uh, these stashes of, and we still don't know exactly how many there were. They apparently are few. They say that there were 10 documents that were found at the uh, Penn Biden Center. And uh, the amount, number of documents found in the garage, there was also one page, and I, who knows what was on that one page, that was found in an adjacent room to the garage, uh, the locked garage next to the Corvette. And the whole idea of the photographs that were taken by people who were acting on a federal subpoena, the reason that subpoena was issued, the reason they went in with what it was called a raid at Mar-a-Lago is because Trump's attorneys and Trump had refused to send back documents specifically that the National Archives asked for. They knew what had been taken and they wanted it returned. And there was no willingness on the part of the Trump administration or on the part of the Trump operation. He, it was after he left the presidency to go ahead and return the documents. And that's what led to the subpoena and that just was not necessary with, uh, with President Biden. And uh, now let us assume that both presidents, both the current president and the ex-president, the immediate former president, presidential candidate, will do whatever they can to cooperate with the respective uh, special counsels who have been appointed. They are still responsible to reporting to the Justice Department, but they are less under the control of the attorney general and less under the control, therefore, of the president than uh, someone would be who would be a normal federal prosecutor assigned to, to this kind of situation. Here's the announcement today by Merrick Garland, the attorney general of the United States, about the appointment of Robert Hoare. Listen to clip four. I'm here today to announce the appointment of Robert Hur as a special counsel pursuant to Department of Justice regulations governing such matters. In keeping with those regulations, I have today notified the designated members of each House of Congress of the appointment. I'm joined today by John Lausch, the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Illinois, who conducted the initial investigation into the matter that I will describe today. On the evening of November 4, 2022, the National Archives Office of Inspector General contacted a prosecutor at the Department of Justice. 
It informed him that the White House had notified the archives that documents bearing classification markings were identified at the office of the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement located in Washington, D.C. That office was not authorized for storage of classified documents. The prosecutor was also advised that those documents had been secured in an archives facility. Okay, and uh, there is more. Uh, by the way, both of these, uh, this uh, attorney Lausch, who um, uh, was a Trump appointee, and uh, Robert Hoare is somebody who worked under the Trump Justice Department. Uh, more from uh, Merrick Garland today. On November 9th, the FBI commenced an assessment consistent with standard protocols to understand whether classified information had been mishandled in violation of federal law. On November 14th, pursuant to Section 600.2B of the Special Counsel Regulations, I assigned U.S. Attorney Lausch to conduct an initial investigation to inform my decision whether to appoint a special counsel. Mr. Lausch has served as the U.S. Attorney in Chicago since 2017. Before that, he spent more than a decade as an assistant U.S. Attorney in that same office. I selected him to conduct the initial investigation because I was confident his experience would ensure that it will be done professionally and expeditiously. On December 20th, President Biden's personal counsel informed Mr. Lausch that additional documents bearing classification markings were identified in the garage of the president's private residence in Wilmington, Delaware. President Biden's counsel informed Mr. Lausch that those documents were among other records from the period of the president's service as vice president. The FBI went to the location and secured those documents. Okay, uh, this is the proceeding leading up to the investigation. The, um, uh, the future, uh, and what's the impact, if any, on America's credibility and role in the world? That question about America taking a leadership role in the world is the center of a very provocative and important new book uh, by Robert Kagan, who wrote the famous book Dangerous Nation about our country. Uh, we'll get to that with Robert Kagan coming up on the MedVet Show. Michael Medved Show, very honored to welcome Robert Kagan. He's been with us before. He is the Stephen and Barbara Friedman Senior Fellow with a project on international order and strategy at the Brookings Institution. He was also part of the State Department under President Reagan. He was speechwriter, principal speechwriter for the Secretary of State, uh, George P. Schultz. And uh, he is a graduate of Yale and Harvard and the Harvard's Kennedy School of Government and holds his doctorate in American history from American University. His most recent book is called The Ghost at the Feast, America and the Collapse of World Order, 1900 to 1941. Uh, Professor Kagan, it's great to speak to you. It's great to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, first of all, why in this period 
Uh, today, so many Americans look back and think that we have gotten into a great deal of trouble by meddling in the business of other countries. What's the primary lesson that Americans today should take from the collapse of world order, as you describe it, between 1900 and 1941? Well, I think the primary lesson, and I think we've learned it more than once, but certainly in the period uh, that this book covers, is that it is actually America's refusal to get sufficiently involved that has led Americans into uh, greater crises than would have happened if they had been more steadily involved, by which I mean the United States turned away completely from all affairs in Europe uh, in the 1920s and 30s, uh, thereby uh, setting the stage and allowing the growth of fascist Italy, of Nazi Germany, and East, East Asia, of Imperial Japan, um, because Americans thought none of this mattered to them, and it didn't, you know, it didn't affect their lives, and so basically they they were willing to be passive and let the world, you know, deal with its own problems. Uh, unfortunately, as I think we learned then, and I think we learn uh, uh, over and over again, and as we're learning today, uh, th those problems will mount and ultimately uh, affect us, and it and we'd be much better off if we could take sort of moderate steps early rather than wait for a full-blown crisis, which in the 1930s and early 40s ultimately led us into uh, World War II. One of the things that's fascinating about the book, and I think very important, and I frankly didn't know or at least had forgotten about, was that um, America, at a time when it was stepping uh, apart from the world, uh, was and, and not particularly involved in anything that was going on in Europe or Asia, was the dominant economic power already. A lot of us think that America uh, enjoyed its prominence and dominance in the world economy only after so many other nations were ravaged by the destruction of World War II. Actually, before the war, as you point out, with a British empire and a French empire and an ascendant uh, Soviet Union, uh, if you put all of those together, they had less economic power and less gross domestic product than the United States of America. People should remember that, no? They should. It's a very important point. And it, and it, and it really gets to, I think, a, a fundamental point that I'm trying to make in the book, which is that the situation that we're in now is not a new situation. Uh, it is not. It didn't even begin in World War II. It really began uh, at, with World War One, and the consequence of World War One was that, as you say, the United States economy uh, uh, after World War One was larger than that of Germany, France, Britain, Japan, Russia, uh, and maybe several others combined. And this enormous uh, uh, economic power made the United States, in many respects, a central player in the international system. The only problem was the United States refused to play. Uh, and so uh, America had an impact on all kinds of countries around the world because it was unavoidable, but it was not the impact that we would want to have um, if we had been more sort of careful about looking after our interests and looking after attempts to uh, preserve the peace after World War One. Things collapsed in many respects because of actions the United States did not take. In some cases, actions the United States did take, for instance, demanding repayment of war debts 
from our allies after World War One. But the point is, the United States was a critical factor. And I think you're right to think that Americans don't realize that we were a critical factor in the world before World War Two. Yeah. The, and was the crucial decision uh, that you write about the decision that was made well, starting at the Senate Foreign Relations Committee under the leadership of Senator Henry Cabot Lodge, the decision to block America's entry into the League of Nations? Yeah, that was a critical turning point in world history, not just in American history. And I think, um, you know, if you read a lot of history books, you'll you'll think that, well, that was just inevitable. There was no way the American people would ever have accepted a role in the League of Nations. Actually, when Woodrow Wilson came back from Paris uh, after the Versailles Agreement and after forming the League of Nations, uh, the League idea was overwhelmingly popular in the United States. It really took Henry Cabot Lodge, who was a kind of brilliant uh, legislative strategist. It took him months and months of effort to try to turn Congress against uh, Woodrow Wilson, particularly because Republicans wanted to win the next election. You'd be shocked to know that politics sometimes <laughs> play a role in foreign policy decisions. And I think for Henry Cabot Lodge, who had been an internationalist and had even proposed something like the League of Nations himself, nevertheless, for political reasons, decided it was necessary to defeat this sort of number one uh, ambition of President Wilson in order to get the Republicans back in power, which they did become back in power after 1920 election. Well, the 1920 election, I believe that uh, Warren G. Harding still holds the record for the highest percentage of the popular vote by any Republican candidate ever. I mean, more than Reagan, more than Nixon in 1972. That's uh, Warren Harding to bring us back to normalcy and basically away from involvement in the rest of the world. In, in terms of where we are today, is the Republican Party or some elements of the Republican Party, the J.D. Vances of this world and... I guess you could say the the people who are uh, disinterested in Ukrainian victory in that crucial war, are they repeating an old Republican mistake that very, very profoundly damaged the party? Well, we'll see. You know, we, we don't know how uh, events are going to turn out in the future. But you're right to point out that the Republican sort of decision to be the isolationist party uh, into World War II uh, led to the complete discrediting of the party, and they, the, the party only resurrected itself after World War II by turning you know, extremely anti-communist um, and sort of regaining its sort of stature in foreign policy in that way. I, I don't know, you know, it, it really is hard to say which way things are going to go, but the impulses of these conservative, radical conservative, sort of Trump movement Republican uh, is very similar to the isolationist uh, impulses of the 1930s. They think not only is the world uh, something that needs to be kept out of, but they're actually hostile to liberalism with a with a small L, not liberal versus conservative, but liberalism as freedom uh, as, as, the, as, a, as a system based on individual rights. You know, some of those who are uh, opposed to helping Ukraine are actively pro-Vladimir Putin and, and have been very clear about that. Tucker Carlson has been very defend, has defended Putin for years. And I think that what we see in America are conservatives who are attracted, if you can believe that, to the sort of uh, the authoritarian illiberalism 
of Vladimir Putin. And this has historical uh, background as well, because many Republicans who were isolationists in the 1930s were sympathetic to both Hitler and Mussolini. Robert Kagan, his uh, fascinating and important new book is The Ghost at the Feast, America and the Collapse of World Order, 1900 to 1941. Posted up at our website at the Michael Medved Show. Godspeed to you, Professor Kagan, and we will be right back. The Michael Medved Show, all across America. It's, it's dangerous for America, it's dangerous for the world. This is The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, there is a piece in the Washington Post by Mark Thiessen, an excellent piece with the headline, If Trump's Classified Document Mishandling Was Irresponsible, So Is Biden's. Uh, yes, it, uh, that is unquestionably true. There are differences between the two cases and the reactions of the uh, two individuals and their team once they discovered that they held classified documents is Contrasting, It's very, very dissimilar. But uh, the point is that in, in both cases, what you see is the, the kind of irresponsibility, and he uses the term irresponsible because that's what Biden said when he talked about, can you imagine how irresponsible Trump was when it turns out at that point, Biden or people close to him had already done precisely the same thing. And yes, the Biden people responded to it far more appropriately, but still, the, uh, the point that Thiessen comes down to is, it seems to me, inarguable. He says, uh, prosecuting Trump, but not Hillary Clinton or Biden for mishandling classified documents would be extremely difficult to explain to the American people. It is already suspicious that the documents in Biden's private office were discovered on November 2nd, less than a week before the midterm elections, yet the public was not informed of the discovery until this week. The uh, FBI search of Trump's home less than three months earlier had led Democrats to argue that Trump and his supporters were too irresponsible to be trusted with the levers of power. Why weren't the American people told that Biden had similarly mishandled classified information before they went to the polls. And the the answer would be, it would be, well, not the answer that was given on The View, which we'll get to in just a moment, which is cuckoo. Uh, but the answer would be, that, look, the, the crucial difference here was that the uh, Trump uh, team uh, still does not acknowledge that they did anything wrong. And this is even after they were fighting for retention of these documents that they had no right to take in the first place. And they've tried out all sorts of things, like the idea that he had secretly, never telling anybody, not writing anything down, he had declassified all that material before he took it home to him. Now, fortunately, the Biden campaign hasn't uh, said anything like that at this point. But for both campaigns, there is one big winner in, uh, well, let's say two big winners in this political kerfuffle. And it's not Joe Biden and it's not Donald Trump. They both come across as losers because uh, they are now directly involved 
in doing something that's against the law. It's against the Presidential Records Act. And it, it may be that they can both say we didn't do this knowingly, that there was no intent here. Uh, President Trump has not even really claimed that. Maybe there was an intent with President Trump. President Biden uh, claims that he was surprised to see those documents there, indicating he didn't know, he didn't authorize it. Okay, the point is they both look bad. And this is a very strong encouragement for that great bulk of the American people, I believe it is a clear majority of the country, who do not want a repeat of Trump versus Biden. And when you look at the the, the twin special prosecutors now, twin special counsels, uh, you think about, you really want these two old guys running against each other again? That's going to be a, a really encouraging uh, course of action for the nation. I'm, I mean, really? That's going to be the best we can do? Well, you could always go to the crucial pe presidential advisors like Joy Behar on The View. Uh, she, I, I think up, up to this point, has made the dumbest suggestion yet about what was really behind this story. Uh, listen, clip two. You know what I think? Against I've never Trump. seen a, a luckier person than Donald Trump. Just as we're this close well, to getting him, but you somehow know these but documents you know appear. But here's the thing. Biden is wrong to have done this. He, he was is in office wrong. Well, let's, find, out, let's find out what this is first. Now, again, mm. one of the things That's that gets true. me crazy is... Before we know, it's already been spun a specific yeah. way. I don't want to see that. The, I want to see someone explain to me, A, how it's possible that after all this time, nobody yeah. knew this. Because to me, if you're missing classified information, I don't mean laugh, but in my house, Does, if stuff is missing... I know it's missing. Does it missing. feel like oppo research to you? Does it feel like the Republicans are behind it? Ah, <laughs> the Republicans are behind it. The Republicans planted the documents uh, way back in uh, 2017 because, let's understand, Biden left the vice presidency in January 20th, 2017. And this is one of the questions that Mark Thiessen asks, and it's very important. He says, how classified documents which reportedly were found in a manila folder labeled personal, were not just kept at the Penn uh, Center how, uh, uh, D.C. office. In other words, how did they get there in the first place? That office opened on February 8, 2018, more than a year after Biden left office. So where were the documents, where were they kept before then? Who had custody of them? And under what conditions were they held? And yes, if the classified documents are important, and they clearly are, otherwise they wouldn't have been classified. They were uh, classified vice presidential briefings. Uh, where did they go after Biden left the vice presidency and Trump and Pence came in? Uh, where did the documents go first before the Penn-Biden uh, Center opened its offices in February of uh, 2018. And that's an important question. There's um, uh, also a perspective that I think is actually 
uh, fairly astute from Seth Meyers, who uh, talks about the classified documents controversy. Uh, late night host Seth Myers, clip five. Well, and if you don't mind, we're going to get to the news. President Biden said yesterday that he was surprised by the news that classified documents were found in his old think tank office and added he wasn't sure what was in the files. Ah, uh, yes, the old grandpa caught shoplifting maneuver. Uh, what's that? There's something in my pocket. Oh, Charleston Chew. How could that happen? <laughs> After classified documents were found in his old think tank office, President Biden said yesterday, people know I take classified documents, classified information seriously. He then added, even the aliens at Area 51 know that. Damn it! Uh, there's um, uh, a, a, a perspective. And again, is it, is it likely that uh, given the volume of paper that someone collects as vice president, because there's not too much else to do except collect paper when you're vice president of the United States. Uh, other than, does anyone feel surprised that President Biden doesn't know off the top of his head what was in a given envelope, which he didn't even want to be informed about before he's answering questions for the press? His, his little press opportunity this morning did not go well. It was not something that helped President Biden. The um, Washington Post reports that this is the second time in two months that Merrick Garland has named a special counsel to investigate the handling of classified materials found in the home and office of a current or former commander-in-chief. In November, he assigned veteran federal prosecutor Jack Smith to oversee day-to-day -day operations of the criminal probe of former President Donald Trump's handling of classified documents after leaving the White House. Smith is also managing aspects of the Justice Department's investigation of the events leading up to the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol that are most closely linked to Trump. The Biden document special counsel will examine the discovery of at least two sets of classified material, about 10 documents from Biden's time as vice president were found November 2nd at the Washington-based Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement, an institute uh, in, that Biden started after leaving the vice presidency in 2017. Biden's personal lawyers found the documents and said they immediately turned them over to the National Archives and Records Administration. There will be more on this. What about the legal ramifications and uh, where we go from here? We'll be speaking to Professor John Yu, former member of the Bush administration in this greatest nation on God's green earth.